0: Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Peter Williams from Stargate. I play Apophis. You know me as Apophis. You know, the guy in the gold suit. And you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. If you like what we're serving here at the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com backslash sci-fi.
1: Spelled the right way. And by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today. audibletrial.com backslash Sci-Fi
0: Diner. Engage. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It
2: allows us to tell stories about even human condition. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, where we serve up interviews, news, and our view on the world of science fiction. Come, grab a chair, and enjoy the conversations. I'd say we've got an unexpected
0: guest. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. I've got a
2: bad feeling about it. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog.
1: And good evening. I am Miles P
2: McLaughlin Hi, I'm, I'm Sierra Garcia. I'm just kidding. He's not here tonight. Not, I would, not even, with I mean, us. I didn't even remotely try, obviously, because there's no way I can sound like that. <laughs> yeah, nobody can. No, She no, no, is truly unique. But well, we do miss her tonight, and uh, she had a meeting she needed to be at, not to mention that we're recording on a night that we typically don't record at, and we said, you know what, we need to get an episode out because tons of great news is coming down the pike, and we're going to share some of that here today. Miles, how in the heck have you been?
1: Uh, pretty good. Uh, I, I've been working like a dog at my uh, uh, big boy job, So, um, but uh, so I'm just trying to maintain my sanity and... Science fiction is helping to do that for me.
2: Oh, good, good. Well, you need something to keep you sane, and uh, I guess they let the dog out. Ha, 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 ha. You Uh, you funny guy. Yeah. Not not really, but oh, well, oh, well. So so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in our sci-fi world. We're going to talk a little bit of Star Wars, a little bit of Star Trek, a little bit of what, Teen Titans, is that right?
1: Yeah, so we have a, a Teen Titans uh, thriller.
2: And Aquaman. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the crap storm that's flying around Star Trek 4 right now.
1: Oh, my. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah, so uh, all that. But most importantly, we have an interview to share. Miles, tell us real quickly a little brief synopsis. What can we expect tonight in our interview?
1: Well, Stargate fans will be excited about this because you and I had the opportunity to meet uh, Mr. Peter Williams. Uh, he played one of the uh, baddest uh, system lords, had tremendous longevity uh, throughout the show. Um, he played Apophis. A um, he was the first system lord that we saw, and we saw him throughout the series. Even even after they killed him, we saw him. Right. You know, he was that prolific.
2: So he was, he was the first system lord in the T V series, but Ra was technically the first system lord that we saw in the movie. R- right. 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 Yes. And but we did one. And we did ask him the question that if you were gonna put Ball and you were gonna put Apothice in a fight, who would win? And he answered that for us. Yes. Yeah, so and you're gonna have so, to listen to the interview to hear yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. Well Miles how in the heck are you? What's going on in your sci-fi world? We haven't caught up with you since before, surely. It's been that long we've had you on the show.
1: Yeah, it's been too long. So um, I'm w- still watching uh, Space Battleship Yamato 2202 on the Funimation app. Uh, Killjoys has come back on the Sci-Fi channel. Uh, but renting some Amazon Prime uh, DC movies. I recently saw Death of Superman and uh, Batman, Gotham by the Gaslight um they have for free you know, last year they they did an animated batman and robin movie but from from the 60s era they actually got uh the, the actors who um uh, to who play those characters to supply the the, the voices and William shatner of voices uh harvey dent slash two-face and that so that was fun to watch uh i watched star trek five even though i didn't take part in your review, which I did enjoy. And I'm reading the New York times, bestseller split Second uh, by Douglas E. Richards. It's a novel on time travel.
2: Okay, good. Very good. So that's your sci-fi world, huh?
1: Yes. All
2: right. Awesome. Well, in my sci-fi world, I am rewatching Batman begins. Like, oh. like not seriously. Like I watch like 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Um, i'm really enjoying you know is morgan freeman's in it uh you have lee nielsen you have you know christian bale and uh they they created some very iconic roles um and it's dark and it's gritty and i'm really enjoying it really i really am enjoying it and so i it's streaming It was on netflix i said well what the heck i began watching in the treadmill one day and then i picked it up a little bit when I had a little bit of a break and you know, kids weren't around and I had a little bit of time to watch it. So I've been enjoying that. Um, I continue to work my way through the novelizations for the expanse series. Uh, I'm on book four, by James S.A. Corey, and I can't remember the name of it right off the bat. Um, but it's uh but I just love the rich character developed world that he created, that they have created because it's two authors that they've created. So i That's what I've been reading, and then the only other thing I've really been watching is I've been watching the uh, Doctor Who with my son, and we're almost through the Matt Smith era of Doctor Who. So we're working, we're we're continuing to work our way forward, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying the process. So nice. Yep. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's really it's really good. It's really well. We're really excited about it. So. And So that's really, that's really my sci-fi world. You know, school started back up. uh, So that's, that's keeping me busy and helping the kids adjust and, you know, kind of trying to work with that is also, it's also keeping, keeping us busy. So, Mm -hmm. so it happened. So, and by the way, if Miles sounds a little bit different, uh, we're just recording him slightly differently tonight. So, so some Skype issues that we were having earlier. So. Yes. So we're coming through Facebook Live. Well, actually, we're not live. It's just Facebook. So <laughs> very good. So, uh, what is the? I guess the first thing we should be talking about. Um, what's the first thing you want to talk about in the news cycle of
1: things? Well, we got. Some, we're gonna have some more Star Wars uh, to watch soon. That's it's never Star that, Wars. Just
2: Resist- never a good thing, is it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Some people might might say that that's true. my saying we're getting Star Wars fatigue, right? Um, but but this this, this looks promising. Uh, so yeah, we we it's, it's going to be an animated series. Uh, Poe Dameron is going to be in it. Uh, so I believe this is more of a retro series. We have a little bit of information about it. It's clear that within just a few shots of uh, Star Wars Resistance trailer that Disney and Lucasfilm have opted for an art style completely different than anything used in the Star Wars universe before. The show looks vibrant and crisp, and the tone looks to be mostly comedic and playful, although I'm sure the show will occasionally hit darker notes as other animated series have. The story is that shortly prior to the events of Star Wars The Force Awakens, Oscar Isaacs is on board to voice Poe Dameron. The show will likely use the familiar character to introduce us to those who will lead the new saga. Uh, Kazuta Ziona is our main protagonist. He's described as a young pilot recruited by the Resistance for a top-secret mission to spy on the growing threat of the New Order. Star Wars Resistance premieres on October 7th at at 10 p.m.
2: Yes, we have a little bit over a month to where that hits. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I heard some criticism initially when this came out was, oh, we don't like the art style. The art style bothers me. You know, so I did hear some criticism from the art style part. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when the Clone Wars animated shorts came out and I was just a little bit bothered by the animation style of those. It ended up liking the series. So for me, that didn't ruin the series just because I didn't initially like the animation style. Mm
1: hmm yeah that's kind of where i'm at. i mean when I saw the trailer i'm I'm not not really high on the animation style either, but the storytelling could be really good so
2: and once uh, again not, they seem to be straying away from any jedi as these it's not jedi centric
1: yes it's uh focusing more on on the pilots and and maybe the space battles
2: yeah yeah so Who knows? We'll see it. Let us know what you think. Uh, Are you excited about another animated series come down the pike? Um, Is it too much? Is this too much Star Wars fatigue? Um, But if we're going to say it's too much Star Wars fatigue, what about CBS's plans to run Trek 24-7? I mean, year-round, not 24-7, but Mm year-round. Do you think there's going to be Star Trek fatigue if we have that?
1: I'm sure there'll be some fans that will complain of it. I won't be one of them,
2: though. <laughs> All right, there's not, there's no such thing as too much Trek at Miles Universe.
1: I mean, <laughs> back in the day when we had we had two Star series going on at the same time, and I was in heaven. Uh, we at one time we had uh, Next Generation, d Space Nine um, around the same time, and then when TNG went off there, shortly after we we got uh, Voyager, so. I was happy with that, but time will tell.
2: Yeah, so who knows? We'll find out, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you're right. Time time will tell in that. So, yeah, so very good. But we'd love to know your thoughts on it, and uh, we're excited about it. We'll see what happens. What's next on our agenda, Miles?
1: So, this has been um, uh, this is, has caused some conversation and questions. So we know we're going to see Spock. In, in discovery in season two and the actor they have playing him i'm not familiar with this actor uh, but his name is ethan peck he is cast as the new spock for discovery um so we, we know we'll see spock some, sometime in season two on discovery
2: okay so uh the, the probably the biggest news is that ethan peck the guy that's cast is the grandson of gregory peck
1: so he definitely has a pedigree
2: as far as acting goes, are a Peck agree? <laughs> uh, uh,
1: you're you're you with the <laughs> boom, boom.
2: Yeah, break out. Those are those dead those dad English teacher jokes. But well, that's great. I I didn't realize that that. Why well, I realized they had hired someone on. I didn't realize that that was a connection. Uh, Gregory Peck, hands down, best role he ever did was the lawyer in To Kill a Mockingbird. In my opinion, my opinion okay. only.
1: So. That was a great performance
2: yeah a great performance and so uh hopefully some of that performance rubs off on on Ethan Peck in it I thought initially when this came down the pike that they had they had cat they had recast the role for the Star Trek 4 movie and uh boy <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> since I bring that up talk about a shit storm yes uh i mean what's going on with that we have what's going on with star trek 4 are we even going to get one now i mean what's going on tell us
1: well so the big news is chris pine and and chris hemsworth talks between them two have stalled between them and paramount and you know that means you don't have your captain kirk and you don't have your george kirk so this is this is my opinion Chris Hemsworth doesn't need Star Trek. He has he's got the uh, Avengers. He's got plenty. Uh, you know he, he he's probably at a place in his career where he gets to pick and choose what he wants to do. Um, Chris Pine, he's in a similar place. I don't think he's is in a good position as Hemsworth is, but he he's coming back in in, in a Wonder Woman movie eventually. Right. I I, I hope they can work. You know. Work things out. I mean, I think Chris Pine has done a very good job playing Captain Kirk in the Kelvin timeline. So I definitely hope they get him back. It would it would, it would be a loss if they don't if they don't have him. If they would have to either not have a Captain Kirk or, or recast it. Um, Hemsworth. It would have been nice to have seen him back, but they could still write another story without him in. It.
2: Right. I mean, his role in the very first movie was pretty short lived.
1: Yes. They so either so, re- recast so him if they had
2: to. They, If you're going to recast, recast him and recast him, I agree that. But Chris Pine, he he really captured what we know of Kirk and did it well. And not that another actor couldn't do that, right? Um, uh, but uh, are we going to buy it? I don't know. I I don't I don't know. But it's it's interesting. I'm not of the two. I don't think you can do it without Chris Pine. But yeah, I think you need him. You need you definitely do need him. So, um, it sounds like the rest of the crew is back on though. Like Zoe Sadana, Sacri Quinto, Carl Orban, Simon Pegg, and John Cho, they're expected to close negotiations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah, so that, that's good. At least that they, they, they are probably uh, guaranteed to be in the in the next one if we if we get this movie.
2: Well, it sounds like they are. They're hoping to reopen negotiations with them, but Mm -hmm. they're also willing to recast. So whatever that means, Mm -hmm. it would definitely. You would definitely that that if they recast, that has to be done right.
1: Very carefully.
2: Yeah. Well, that's and that's the thing. Very carefully because you want something that 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 sell. They need to be able to sell. That this is like a continuation of the story we've been that's been being told so, yes yeah. so they've only ever done that with like minor characters, but to do a central character that's going to be difficult
1: yeah in a, in, in a movie and this has been a franchise now this is the fourth one in this franchise yeah so yeah it's going to be a tough sell.
2: now is this the one that Tarantino's supposed to be directing?
1: Yes, I think this is the one where he's supposed to have his hand in it, yeah okay,
2: not writing it, but directing it. So, yeah, because the writers, they said what well, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay are the writers or the script or they develop the script, I guess. So, yeah, well, very good. And uh, we we have that at least um, we'll keep up to date and probably keep you up to date as far as what's going on in that realm here. Um, Teen Titans. What happens with uh, we have this Teen Titans or this, I guess not Teen Titans, but Titans a uh, debut trailer uh, doesn't like Batman. Is that, is that right?
1: Well, in the trailer, Robin says uh, F Batman. <laughs> so, um, so I guess this, this is uh harkening back to a time in their relationship where they're um, estranged. But uh, I, I, I saw the live action trailer. It, lo- it looks fairly promising.
2: And um and he's supposed to be and in this case, in tit- in the case of the Titans, uh Robin, just so I'm getting this straight in my head, Robin's in charge of the Titans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And very good. So and, and is it's and it's supposed to, and it's supposed to be teen? Are they supposed to be teens well, or are they supposed to be like I'm so used to like teen Titans and like the Disney Channel, right, type thing, but or is this supposed to be more adult titans? I mean, I don't know.
1: I, I think more Maybe young, the, the 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 word teen is not in in the um describing the the article or the trailer. So I think it's going to be maybe young adult Titans, but not Teen Titans because I think it's going to be on DC. D, like we need another streaming platform. Right. The DC is going to have a new streaming platform. For, for, so for it'll be a,
2: it'll it'll be on that right. Right, yeah. which I which I do want to talk about. So, but before we get there, maybe we should call it like the the angsty titans, or maybe like the emo titans. I don't know, or something like that.
1: Yes, uh, Robin is definitely emo in this. He's
2: definitely the emo titans, and uh, I, I'm okay with that. Get a little bit more angsty. Oh, by the way, just talking about titans in that world, uh, I saw that um, the the crew from Smallville reunited recently. Not for a show oh, but they they but you know you had Lex like Tom Wellington and uh who's the guy, uh, Mark Rosenbaum, or whatever his name was played Luther, yeah, yeah, the guy played Luther, and uh, one of the other guys, uh I guess Lana, they had all kind of got together and kind of hung out, so, mm-hmm. that's but, cool, but but uh yeah well so we we have to talk about the streaming services, right so so here like we are entering a mega streaming war, right. <laughs> So, you know, up till now, you really had three major players, right? You wanted to watch TV, you're going to do it either on Hulu, Netflix, or Amazon Prime. And there were others out there, but these are your three major players. And and then CBS said, you know what, Star Trek, Star Trek. And that's what they said, they said Star Trek, and we're going to have our own streaming service, we're going to make you pay for it. And then this year at Vegas, they announced, not only are we going to just make you pay for one show, but because we want you to stay year-round, we're going to release Star Trek content year-round, right? Interesting. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Disney just dropped the name of their streaming service. And and they're renegotiating contracts. It basically says, you know what? By the end of this year, all Star Wars movies and all uh, all Disney owned properties will be pulled, will be pulled from, um, will be pulled from uh, like Netflix and Hulu and all that, and Amazon, so that they can be streamed exclusively on Disney's new streaming service. Which, by the way, they released the name of it today, and I can't remember it right now. I think it's like Disney Play, is what it's called, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, I should look it up while I'm, like, fudging around here. But, you know, so you have that dropping, and then you have DC, that they're saying, you know what, we're going to release our streaming service, it's going to air all this Wonder Woman stuff, all this Batman, Superman stuff, and you have all that stuff. So my question is, Miles, how many streaming services are you going to pay for?
1: Uh, I, I don't know. I mean... Maybe I wouldn't need Netflix as much if, if if some of the stuff I watch on Netflix uh, is going to Disney and, and DC. Um, I, I already subscribe to too many right now. I mean, I don't I don't have cable TV, but I have I have Netflix, I have Amazon, I have Funimation. Um, what else do I have? Um, I have CBS All Access, so. And there's, and there's, and there's, there's things I probably want to see on, on Disney and on, on, on the DC one, maybe I might just do it for a month and just, um, check it out or, or just subscribe for short term to see what I want to see. And then maybe uh, cancel a subscription, um, after I'm done. Right. So, I think.
2: yeah, I don't know. Like for me, I don't, do you subscribe to Hulu? I,
1: who's another one
2: I yeah I know that Dave Sellers does he says you know I have these but you know when I look at what I paid like so we do have a small cable bill we use like it's like direct tv or dish network out for our bed and breakfast right and we definitely have um you know we're paying a 100 and some dollars a month to you know have satellite tv out there which is fine right that's a typical cable bill and many cable bills are much higher so in our house, in our main house, it's not B and We don't do that. We do Netflix, which is charging us about fifteen bucks a month. Uh, Amazon Prime, which is about one hundred and twenty-five a year, which I don't know that ends up being like ten dollars a month. So I'm up to maybe like twenty-five dollars at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to pay for CBS, which was, which was what six bucks?
1: Yeah, six bucks. More. Six yes. bucks.
2: Disney Play, they said, is not going to be as high as Netflix. They said it's probably going to run. It's probably going to run between eight to ten dollars a month, mm-hmm. right? And let's say I want to pay for Hulu. What's Hulu a month?
1: I I, I don't remember. I think I'm. It's it's like eight ninety nine or something. Yeah.
2: So, in any case, you can pay for all these streaming services, and you still aren't
1: going to be what your cable bill is. Yeah, that's true. You're you still pay more for cable.
2: Yeah, so I mean, okay, we want to complain about the streaming services, and there's an ex- exclusivity uh, that each one seems to have. But if you're really into this stuff and you're going to be watching this content, you know why the hell not?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, when you put it that way, when you're when when you're going to pay less than you pay for cable, uh, it's still I guess you're still ahead of the game.
2: You are. So I'm, you know, I would apt to be paid for the Disney. I mean, you have all the Disney movies. You have the Star Wars movies, and uh, you have the Marvel movies, right?
1: Right. Yeah. So you have a lot of good content. There. I mean that
2: that 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 that's going to keep me uh, thoroughly entertained for quite a while. So right. And um, so I I would I would be apt to jump into this whole Disney franchise if for nothing more than Star Wars, you know.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
2: And uh, I am debating uh, CBS, but we'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see. Um, and I'm not gonna get rid of Prime anyways because I didn't get Prime for the video. I got it for the shipping, and now the video is just a bonus. If I were to split
1: those two, I probably
2: I don't know if I would do Prime. But
1: I mean, if it, Amazon makes it worth your while, I mean, if you if you if you're an Amazon customer, you buy stuff, order stuff from them a lot, then getting their um, Prime Video service is is a nice uh, nice bonus with that. It's worth it then.
2: It it absolutely is absolutely is. I don't know. So those are my thoughts on the whole uh, streaming uh, service and uh, and, all, and everything that's coming down the pike. Um, of those, I don't know that I would spring for a DC streaming service, though. Mm-hmm. I, I think there are passionate DC people out there. I'm not sure that I'm one of them.
1: Yeah. And, and like, like what I would, might do is maybe subscribe to it for a month and, and see what I want to see. And then maybe cancel. We'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, on Amazon, if you want to see some of these DC animated movies that come out periodically, you're, you're paying almost five bucks to rent for a rental on one of them on on Amazon Prime.
2: Well, I know, and and uh, like I forget what movie I rented with Kiefer the one night that said we're gonna watch. Oh, we we wanted to watch Contact. We're reading. So Kiefer and I are working our way through the book Armada, and, um, which is the guy that wrote Ready Player One, the uh, same guy that wrote that, you know, Ernst Klein. And we're reading it, and they're referencing Carl Sagan and the movie Contact. Well, my son has never seen Contact. So I said, Oh, let's rent it. We watched it. So we watched, I guess I should put that in my sci fi world. We watched it way slower than I remember it. Uh, but he was into it. I think he was into it because of the connection to the book. Okay, good. Cool. Uh, uh, and. That's a pretty good story. I enjoyed it, but you know, I had to rent that through my iTunes. So that's five bucks to do that through iTunes, um, and I guess I could have done it through Amazon Prime, but it wouldn't have been any cheaper. They were they were the same price, you know, both places. But Mm-mm. so, despite having all that content available, I'm still pe- I'm still renting stuff.
1: Oh yeah, you're still gonna so something a little newer. You're you're gonna pay a rental fee. Yeah, so.
2: So, so whatever, uh, is there anything else we should be talking uh, about as far as, um,
1: yes, there's one new bit of news we should talk about because it just dropped a couple days ago. Um, so they announced the big bang theory, will oh, be, uh, ending, yeah. ending, ending in 2019. So this show ran for 12 seasons and it's finally, uh, going to wrap things up next year.
2: That's right. That's right. So they are wrapping up Big Bang Theory. I saw how many seasons did you say it was?
1: 12 seasons. 12
2: seasons. Oh,
1: yeah. Wow. So it, it it had a very good long run on CBS.
2: It did. And did very well. And there's some people that said, "Oh, it should have been uh off the air a while ago." Have you kept watching?
1: I've kind of stopped watching it 2 years ago, although I, I did watch the uh the Sheldon Amy wedding uh episode. Uh, where they have um, Mark Hamill uh, officiate the ceremony, it's very funny. It's uh, you know, so that that was that was a that was a particular good one. I may go back later and watch what I missed, but um, that, that that's where I'm at with Big Bang Theory. I think the show is more entertaining and fun when when the guys were trying to get the girl, but after they got the girl. Uh, I see. I think they seem to, sh- to struggle a little in in trying to make it uh, funny, and entertaining, um, and it, w- w- also I think the main thing why they're going to cancel the show is it's getting too expensive to produce. I mean, main actors are getting a million dollars an episode.
2: That is insane. So
1: that's a yeah, insane amount of money. I mean, I'm sure it's making them a lot of money, but it's pr- that that probably going to be cost prohibitive to keep doing it. So yeah, um, yeah, so. So yeah, uh, Big Bang Theory will uh, will end next year in 2019. Well,
2: you know, I wonder if this is not um, if this not if this is not part of the issue when we jumping back to Star Trek Four. You know, Chris Pine, Helmsworth asking for for more money, and they're saying Paramount saying, uh, "I'm sorry, we can't do that." And there's probably some of that negotiating that's happening.
1: Uh, I'm sure money is playing a big part in it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, well, very good. That sounds, I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, that uh, people are going to be sad, but we, you know, we interviewed Kevin Sussman. We had a wonderful time chatting with him about his role in the show and the much, many of the other pieces he had done. And so we'll see. Yeah. But, um, did I hear rumors about, um, was it Joaquin Phoenix playing Joker? Did you see that rumor? Rumor?
1: Um, n- no, I didn't. That 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 could be interesting. So so here's the,
2: here's the news. Uh, is it Joaquin? Is that the way you say it? Joaquin Phoenix uh, or uh, Joaquin? Joaquin Joaquin. Okay, I might be mispronouncing that, and now you can correct me and school me on that. Uh, but they're apparently doing a. They're talking about doing a Joker movie, right? And mm-hmm. and apparently Alec Baldwin has joined us to be possibly Thomas Wayne. Oh, okay. So so it's 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 just titled The Joker. So we we it's just a it's a non DCEU movie that will deal with the that just focuses in on the Joker himself. So So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um but Yeah, potentially. I saw some pictures and I said, well, maybe this might work for me. But but anyways, well, very good. Well, anything else before we move into, like, introducing our interview guest here? No, I think we covered it. Yeah, I think that's some good stuff there. So, Shore Leave 40, we had the privilege of sitting down with Peter Williams. Yes. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how that came about and and why this was such a monumental experience for
1: us well one you and I are both huge Stargate sg1 fans and so to meet somebody who was very important to the show was a you know big big coup for us and uh, he was at his table for Friday afternoon and uh, we were told it, as long as he was amenable we interview him and he was Gracious and kind enough to give us some of his time. Uh, so we had we had a chance to talk for about 10, 15 minutes. Um, and he did, I, I, I mispronounced his character's name. I pronounced it Apophis. And he says, many people make this mistake, but it's actually Apophis. And he was very kind about it. He's a system lord, so he could have probably fried me on the spot.
0: Right, um, right.
1: But, but But he didn't. At least he, he, didn't have kind
2: little, to, At least he didn't have that metal thing that he touches you with and like light comes out of your eyes and your mouth.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's some... There, I, I remember some scenes where Apophis is uh, Apophis is, 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 is torturing somebody and he, he decided not to do that that day, which I'm grateful
2: for. Yeah, all I remember is his death scene and me feeling so bad for him.
1: Yeah, that was, I mean... He, he made you sympathize with him when, when his human host was dying, Yeah, absolutely. which is, which, which is a credit to, to his, his performance and, and the writing there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So this was that shortly we had a chance to chat with him. He gave us a great interview, by the way, if you want to follow him on Twitter, he is under actual Apophis. So a P O P H I S actual Apophis. And, um, and so make sure you follow him and uh, and uh, we'll go from there. As we said, he does talk about if you were going to do a throwdown between Ball and Apophis, who would win? He's going to tell you his answer when you listen to the interview. We had a phenomenal time chatting with him. Anything else before we share the interview?
1: Uh no. Well, listeners hope you uh, enjoy his conversation with Peter Williams. Scott and I certainly did.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Apophis. Great. Shall talk.
2: We have searched.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we're at Shirley 40, and we're hanging out with Mr. Peter Williams. His IMDb page is an impressive list of genre TV shows, movies, from the last three decades. However, sci-fi fans know and love him best for playing the first major villain and antagonist in the Stargate SG-1 TV series and the Stargate movie, uh, Stargate Continuum. Mr. Williams, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast.
0: My pleasure,
1: my pleasure. Sci-Fi Diner, you say? Yes, yes. Good. One thing a sci fi action show needs is a, a strong bad guy villain. You were that for SG1. Can you
0: tell us the story how you got the opportunity to play Apophis? Oh, man, that's great. But first of all, I'm going to correct you. Yes, sir. Ooh. Because it's not Apophis with a TH, it's an Apophis with a PH. Apophis. My bad. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> there you and go. I would, I would correct him.
2: I don't think he's the first major villain. We did
0: a RAW. Mm-hmm. Yes, wrong, technically, technically speaking, wrong, but I think infer- he qualified this by saying television series. That is true. So <laughs> true, true. So we're good. So you know, it's, <laughs> it's a Apophis. A That's a right. With bad. a ph. <laughs> no, that's quite quite all right. A lot of people make that mistake, and it's uh, you know a few of them have died as a result. But I'm going to let <laughs> you. <live>. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your mercy, sir. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I've become merciful in my old age. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. Let me just tell you, first of all, my first exposure to Stargate was the movie, like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I became, uh, I became a fan because it was one of the greatest movies, if you ask me. I thought it fell apart a little bit in the final 15 minutes, but I really loved the movie and it stayed in my memory. So when I got a chance to play the bad guy in the television series, I, uh, I jumped at it, naturally. Who was going to turn that down? And you have to know that at, at that time I was sporting shoulder-length dreadlocks and I had to cut them off to play this gig. <laughs> I, I, never, I never regretted it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, so yeah. how did you land the gig?
0: Yeah, I landed the gig. It, this was, it was I, I'll never forget the audition. It was right around Christmas time. Um, I went in for an audition for this, uh, this character named Tilk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't get the part. But I got a call back. Which confused me. I didn't get the part, but I'm getting a call back. Oh, you're getting called back for this character named Apophis. What's an Apophis, I said. <laughs> I had no idea. No idea what this was about. But um, during the course of my callback, the producer, Michael Greenberg, stopped proceedings cold and slapped the back of his head, and he said, I don't know why. I, I didn't think of this before. This guy's Apophis. Hmm. Two weeks go by, I heard nothing. My agent heard nothing. (laughs) Two more weeks go by, New Year's comes, goes, heard nothing, nothing. I'm panicking now. Right. Because I thought I had this gig in the bag. (laughs) Finally, I got the call. It was good. I got the part. And I figure it was partly because I looked a little bit like Jay Davidson, who played Ra in the movie. Hmm. And the long hair helped, even though they were gonna just about to tell right. me to cut it all off. But um, I think that's that's the whole deal there. Um, Michael <laughs> Greenberg, Richard Dean Anderson, who is a very loyal actor to work with. I had worked with him before in MacGyver. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know... I didn't realize
2: you worked in MacGyver.
0: Yes, I had one, one episode. One episode. Yeah. What? So did Teal.
2: Uh, Christopher Judge. Christopher really. Judge
0: did. Don Davis did. Uh, a lot of people did. In fact, was um, a Vancouver thing. It, had it was to be the Vancouver very... thing. And a loyalty thing. Richard Dean Anderson is renowned for his loyalty. And uh, at that time, he and Michael Greenberg were best of buds. And the two of them were like two peas in a pod. And those of us who worked on MacGyver all got jobs out of it. Nice. And he, ah, it's great for you, right? Great for me. I'm, I'm still doing it. Oh. I just like he says,
1: that's our Apophis. Apophis. Yeah, that's right. yeah absolutely.
0: <laughs> you keep practicing that. Yeah, I, I will. I'll
2: get it eventually. Five times real fast, Miles. Go.
1: No, I better slow this down. You can't keep a good villain down. Even when uh, Apophis is killed, the writers found a way to bring him back. He truly was the Energizer Bunny when it came to Stargate villains. Even when Apophis was truly dead, he invaded Teal'c's streams. Whenever you found out that Apophis was going to get killed off, did you think it, that was it for him,
0: or did you know he was coming back? The first couple of times, I thought that was it. Mm-hmm. But then I got used to it.
2: Right. They do have the resurrection chamber, after all. The,
0: the, yeah. uh, the sarcophagus, that's yeah. right. That's mm-hmm. right. And uh, it's, one of, it's, it's the punchline to most of the jokes I tell these days. <laughs> right, right. Because it's so long ago. In fact, the other day, they found a 2,000-year-old sarcophagus in... Uh, in, um, I forget the name of the place in in Egypt. It um, begins with an A, but I forget. It's from the Ptolemaic period, and they figure that it's somebody really important. I go on Twitter and I claim it's mine. So I, I forgot <laughs> where I put it, and now they've discovered it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, any sarcophagus jokes, I'm in, right, I'm in. Right. It's
1: a great story. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great story. <laughs> you Fantastic. have to
0: ask the fans, though how many times Apophis was killed and resurrected I lost track because yeah,
2: it, it was often
0: yes <laughs> it was often and then you throw in the alternate realities and the dream sequences and the flashbacks and uh you don't know which end's coming you don't have coming. enough fingers
2: right right you don't know which end's coming yeah, that's right, right. It's, it's, uh, that's it, fantastic it was always great
1: when he was there though yeah, yeah that's great you've been a working actor for well over 30 years when you're pitched with an acting role what are you looking for in a part before you
0: accept it um Apart from, the, apart from the obvious, mm-hmm. you know, the the actual <laughs> employment part of right, it. Right, 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 right. Apart from the fact yeah. that
2: you need a job. Yeah. Right.
0: Don't let your kids grow up to be actors, because most yeah. of it's waiting for the next gig. <laughs> I've been fortunate, though. Right. I, uh, I was, I've been very lucky. In Canada, I've had two or three series that have been, um, you know, that have cemented me in the Canadian imagination. Some of the, you know, the Stargate's international. So that's right. one that I kind of... Uh, I, I put it on a different. I put my memorabilia on a different shelf. Right, right, right. <laughs> with that one, um, but I've been fortunate enough to um, to have gigs with uh, with the uh, with Vin Diesel in the Chronicles of Riddick, and um, with Benjamin Bratt and Halle Berry in Catwoman, and a couple others, you know, uh, right that, that that stand out on my resume, if I may name drop away. Absolutely, it. I,
2: absolutely name um, drop away. <laughs>
0: But lately, what's happening for me is um, I'm getting more and more work. I- you might call it niche work, but in the Caribbean community in Canada, there is a strong and growing film industry for um, for Caribbean content. And uh, I was I had the central character in a in a film called A Winter Tale, which has nothing to do with Shakespeare, even though he wrote winters. Tale. Right, right. That's a that uh, distinction's important. Yeah, it's very important. We have the apostrophe s yes, on uh, on uh, on uh, no, that was hit. Now I'm confused. No. Well, whatever. I um I've I I'm uh, I've got this career now in Caribbean film and it doesn't pay as much nor has it got the global reach of say a Stargate, but it's satisfying my soul Good. and I'm feeling love from the community. Right. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And it is providing a paycheck. People and it does provide yeah, a so paycheck. So that's important as an actor that you're working work. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: you're doing yeah. something you're proud of you, and yeah. you get that's, that's, the, that's the big deal. Yeah. yeah, That's the big deal for me.
2: Now, is there any, obviously we talked about, you mentioned that one of the things that drew you to Stargate was your love of the original movie. Uh, have you had a connection to science fiction in general
0: or is it more Stargate? That's a very good question. Uh, I will say, um, like probably everyone else of my vintage, I grew up watching the original Star Trek, and this weekend I am proud to say I'm going to complete my set by meeting William Shatner because I've met all the others nice. wow. at some point or the or, or the other. Um, so completing <laughs> the set is important. Um, yes, I I cut my eye teeth on that series. I think it was a great series i don't want to hear any of the naysayers that i'm reading <laughs> lately on twitter about it because it was a it was a a milestone in my life and uh and many others as well and i think we are where we are because of things like that no absolutely um but i will tell you i also have an archaeology degree I did cool. not know that. I went to university in England, and I have a geography archaeology joint degree from Nottingham University. That's awesome. I was always interested in things like Egyptology and uh, ancient history, so it was a natural fit for me to have oh, sarcophagi yeah, and um, <laughs> and underlings and Jaffa.
2: Right, right. <laughs> Well, that's great because it plays a little bit
0: into your interests beyond just acting, science fiction. I grew up in Jamaica, and I was a child who um, voraciously devoured National Geographic. And um, the geographical aspect of it and the historical aspect of it shaped my interests. Wow,
2: that's fantastic.
0: So... um, What's what's on the next, uh, next for you? What will be plugging for you that will be happening in the future? I'm enjoying doing these conventions and meeting guys like you and doing podcasts. I'm really enjoying <laughs> traveling and seeing the world. I've been to Australia three times, New Zealand a couple of times, Germany a million times, England. I get to go back there because I studied over there. Um, The conventions are taking up a lot of my time. I'm quite enjoying it because I'm I'm getting out there. I'm keeping uh, Apophis alive. Apophis. (laughs) Apophis alive. Yes. Um, But next for me is a movie called Hero. Um, It's based on a Caribbean man who was a pilot for the RAF, stayed in England after the war and became a, uh, a lawyer in burgeoning democracies in Africa. He lived an amazing life, and it's being um, memorialized in this movie called *Hero*, the film, based on the incredible life and times of Ulrich Cross. I am not playing Ulrich Cross. I am, surprise, surprise, playing the bad guy. Oh, uh-huh. I'm stunned. <laughs> oh, shocked. Still, my heart. Um, uh- <laughs> Ulrich Cross's life is a uh, is a real life with real history. My character is fictionalized so it's sort of a fic- docu-fiction mm-hmm. and it was, inter- it was interwoven into the real life story of this man in order to spice it up for the contemporary market. <laughs> uh, of course. If, you, if you're part of my social media world you will be bombarded with information about this film, so stay tuned.
2: Right. Very good. It was a pleasure uh, talking with you. I today. do have one more
0: question. Okay. Yeah, man.
2: In a battle between
0: Apophis... And ball, who would win? <laughs> well, there's only one answer to that. Bye-bye, um, <laughs> ball. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that when you do the same corresponding interview with Cliff was Simon, it? who is a very good friend of mine. Oh, is he? We um, interviewed
2: him, what, three years ago,
0: four years yeah, ago? Been yeah, been a ago. He, he was a
1: guest here as well, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Well,
0: um, I'm not sure who's following in whose footsteps, but if you go from Stargate Chronology, he came after me right it's true uh, yeah and Apophis begins with A Bal begins with B and if we're going alphabetically I win again right so <laughs> right, right. it's uh, so it's a no, it's that, no contest Simon, take that Bal Ball cheated use time travel I, mean, I know, I know <laughs> totally I know.
1: cheated
2: <laughs> and we are back Miles hope you enjoyed that interview uh, any uh, I believe that's it um what we really should have done is like top five Apophis movie moments, but we don't have those.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll have to remember that for a future. Next time uh, or,
2: yeah. Another time or so, mm-hmm. but anyways, um, without further ado, I think that's it. Um, our next recording, we will be recording a review of star Trek six. At least that's the plan. We still aren't sure who's going to be joining us yet, but in two <coughs> weeks, be prepared to join us and we would love to hear your thoughts and your review. Miles, I know you sent in a review of your own thoughts of Star Trek 5. We're going to throw that in at the end of the show. Is that all right?
1: That's perfectly fine.
2: All right. So Miles was unable to join us because of his big boy job. So we uh, he uh, sent me an audio clip that we can use a little bit later. So we're going to throw that in at the end of the show so you can get his thoughts on Star Trek 5. What did you think of our interview with Russ?
1: I enjoyed it. Um, and... I loved Russ talking about how he met Aaron Rosenberg and became part of a crazy press. I mean, it just seemed very serendipitous how oh, that yeah. all worked out.
2: Well, you know, and and, and, and he looked at star Trek five, a movie that for many people was unredeemable. And I thought that he, there was honor. Like we held that movie with honor, despite the fact that it's not everyone's favorite movie.
1: Yeah. It's a flawed movie, but he, he was able to, um, mine it to, for, for some, of the, some of the interesting ideas it um, it was exploring and, and some great character moments with our, our heroes.
2: Yeah, so make sure you check that out. That was the last podcast we recorded. And Russ Comachiro, author with Crazy 8 Press, you'll want to check them out as well. Well, Miles, it's been great chatting with you tonight. You too, Scott. Can't wait to see you here in a few weeks and us talking again and... And uh, hopefully we can do this in person again sometime when life settles down a little bit. But
1: I, I would love that, too. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, hope you enjoyed the ride tonight. I believe that's it, Miles. You can take us out of the show.
1: Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. If you've enjoyed the conversation,
2: the owners of this establishment would love to hear from you send your comments and feedback to the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or join our facebook page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner
1: Hello M. Hello Scott. I want to give my review of my recent watching of Star Trek V The Final Frontier. First, let me say I enjoyed listening to your review and appreciated uh, Russ Comacharo's contribution as well. I am with the majority of people who have seen Star Trek V and have to agree it's not a good Star Trek movie and sadly deserves to be placed with one of the worst in the series. I think it explores interesting ideas, but like we often say, interesting concept, but bad execution. My first foray in Star Trek V was seeing it with friends on the big screen when it came out in 89. After the film, my friend said to me, well, that was interesting. That's about the extent of how we gushed about the movie. Almost 10 years later, I went to a con, and the con was showing the movie, but as a Mystery Science Theater 3000 special. The folks at uh, MST3K don't usually review good movies. Being a Guy in the Wolf Star Trek fan, I don't want to totally throw it under the bus, so let me give what I think are positives. The idea is explored, the search for God, a bold thing to do since Star Trek has usually shied away from the subject as it mostly holds to a secular humanist worldview. Fans who have heard Shatner describe what he was trying to accomplish was give a commentary on televangelists who were defrocked back in the early 80s and how the people that follow him. Another idea explored I thought was interesting was Cybok's power to influence people to follow him. Because he's a Vulcan, he has the power of telepathic, however it can be seen he's using it unethically. He forces people to deal with the pain of something they deeply regretted and forced them to see that ultimately it wasn't their fault or they need to forgive themselves. This is a form of mental rape, regardless of what outcome will be. Saibok doesn't have to command the people who he's treated, and I say that in quotes. They, out of a sense of gratitude, will follow him anywhere. A very clever form of brainwashing. The character moments between Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Yeah, maybe them singing Row, 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 Your Boat is a little hokey, but I love the camps scenes and how they see each other as the family they never had. Spock and Kirk's moment when Kirk is rescued from the God-Being, and Spock telling Kirk there was no way he was going to die because he was not alone. I found that uh, um, heartwarming. Kirk wanted to hug Spock, but Spock having none of that as it's in front of the Klingons, I found funny. The negatives, and there are many, however, I'll only touch on a few. After thinking about this movie and seeing it again, I found it a little troubling the way Kirk was written from the way most of the crew were written and presented. It seemed to me that Shatner was making Kirk more heroic and clear thinking while the crew fell for a a sandbox spell and needing Kirk to rescue them from themselves. An opportunity should have been made to give the supporting character more time in the sun, so to speak, and not to, to look totally inept while Kirk is the one to rise above it all and save the day. The humor in this film was mostly cheap slapstick, which again I thought made the supporting characters look weak. I have to agree with M's thoughts on Captain Claw. He was not a very strong character. The little kid in the kiddie pool puffing out his chest was an apt analogy. That was very good M. I'm pretty sure I could come up with more, but I think that's sufficient. I think this movie was doomed from the start. Not just the weakness of the movie, but also the competition it had back in the summer of 89. This was the same time that the first Batman movie came out, as well as Ghostbusters 2 and Indiana Jones' the Last Crusade. It's interesting, Star Trek 6 will come out in the fall of eight of ninety one. So maybe the summertime was not a good time to do this movie. So those are my thoughts about Star Trek V The Final Frontier. Till next time, good night and good luck.